This is Living Proof Radio, May 2024. All of our full episodes are available on our Patreon with weekly drops, a Patreon-only radio show, and Living Proof magazine delivered to your house every issue, as well as our entire members-only library backlog. Patreon.com slash York. Today, Angel and Z podcast, we got OJ FYC in the house. Yo, thank you so much for coming, man. Yo, I'm super excited for coming out, man. No super, doubt, bro. Peace, peace, peace. Super excited to talk to you about whatever. Uh, I'm going to just start it off by talking about your early origins. And um, I know that even before the whole graph thing, you had some trauma in your life and you got separated from your mom when you were four, right? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, at this point, it's no secret. I've talked about it a few times. Um, I'm just a product of of the 70s, of heroin, crack, uh, a, shitty, a shitty city to grow up in that was broke, you know, um, pretty much lived a, a hard life as a child, and, and my realities was very harsh. Mm-hmm. And you grew up in New York the whole, that whole time in the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've been in New York. Pretty much uh, from birth till 1997. 1997, I left to the military for eight years. I came back to New York in October of 2001, right after 9/11. Mm-hmm. That was pretty devastating. You know, uh, can you imagine being away from the place you love most for five years, and then you know you counting the days like, oh, I'm going back, I'm going back, I'm going back, and then. You have 9-11 to come back to. I mean, uh, I could smell, you, you could still, at that point in October, you could, there was fire still burning down there in 9-11. Not like out of control fires, but shit still smoldering. And you could smell it mm-hmm. all the way in Brooklyn. Bro, I remember, I, I lived in South Brooklyn my whole life. I remember that day, I was really young though. Like, there was papers on my street from those buildings. Like, I was wondering, how the fuck did they get that far? And smoke walking through those streets is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. We lived in, me and my mom and dad, we lived in Jackson Heights at the time. And I remember my mom was saying, I don't remember it much, but, like, the window was down. And she was saying, like, you could smell the smoke from Jackson Heights. That's yeah. crazy, man. But, uh, yeah, so I know I... You went through all that stuff, and around, around four, you got separated from your, your family? Well, one day I was walking down the street with my mother, and the cops pulled up on the sidewalk. They locked her up. She went one way, and they took me, and I went a different way, and I didn't see my mother for two years. And you were four. Yeah. So can you imagine being four years old, right, and all of a sudden the fucking police take you away, and you don't hear or speak to your mother for two years it's like and you didn't even get you it's, like, it's not like you can say goodbye at that point or there's no no, no not, not at all you just yeah. watch your mother go in handcuffs into a cop car and be taken away yeah, mm. and at that age you don't even know what's right or wrong you no, I, I didn't law, I, I thought I would never see my mother ever again in life yeah. I thought that that was it you were separated for how long uh let's see from the age for about f- five years really Five, six years. So that was just an abrupt goodbye. But a- after the two years, then I was able to start seeing my mother on, like, uh, bi-weekly visits. Mm-hmm. And then 
toward the end of everything, go to the house for uh, weekend visits. But it was just still fucking crazy, bro. I mean, and where did they take you when you were like, when oh, they, they put, separated I got you? put in foster, foster care, care. Yeah. you know, and, and at that time, people were just taking kids in just to take kids in for money. Like the, the, the trauma that I've experienced from the age of four to the age of nine is unreal, you know, like, uh, get fucking beat all the time i've been locked in closets by the foster for, care parents. yeah been locked in the closet for like a couple days at a time without food or anything no bathroom no nothing um so you were bouncing around from home to home the foster they, homes they, they moved or at least at that time they moved you from home to home roughly six months to a year so, you know couple homes i was only there Three months until they could find a more permanent situation. Mm-hmm. So probably like a good, I don't know, 30 different homes. From, wow. You know? 30 homes? And, of course, you're not there. And you're kid. young, too. Yeah, four years old. So, you, you, so you, you're, you're not their kid. So I can you're thinking, yo. You're, you're not their kid, so they don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. You know, they, they treat you however they want. There was a few, few homes... That was good. That was nice. The uh-huh. one family that I live with out in Howard Beach, I actually still speak to them to this day. Wow. So I was living out in Howard Beach when their whole uh, kid got fucking beat down by bats on um, Cross Bay Boulevard by mm-hmm. New Park Pizza. Okay. So that's the time frame that I was out there. You know. But at that point, I was so young, like... You know, you're not really outside in the street. You don't really know what's going on. Yeah. You know? So then when I was nine years old, I I don't know how it happened, but I came back to live with my mother. And around that time, uh, hearing what was on the radio, I was like, oh, wow. Like one of the first rap songs I heard was Three Buffalo Girls Go Round the Outside, Round the Outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, what's that? And then White Lines. And uh, the first time that I, I, you know, I was going on a school trip. It's like third grade. I'm going on a school trip. And I remember just going down into the subway station. And then the fucking, the, the train pulls in and the train's covered with graffiti. I, I remember in my head, like, just being mesmerized. Like, yo, what the? I have no idea what that is, but I know that that's what I want to be a part of. Yeah. And then, you know, just starting to hang out with kids in the neighborhood. And then, you know, back then in the 80s, the late eight, well, early 80s, late 80s, everybody had a graffiti tag. Right. Even if, you, even if you didn't write graffiti, you had a tag. Yeah. And at a minimum, you was drawing the old school S with the six lines yeah, that yeah, you yeah. connect. Uh-huh. You know, so... <laughs> I mean, that's just what it, what it was. And then the, the first people, the, the first real, real core writers that I ever really linked with or met with is dudes from CM. First, I met uh, Kev CM, which is Niso's brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, the day that I met him, he was like, yo, you write graffiti? I was like, yeah. We were talking. He's like, yo, you want to go bomb and meet me at IS44 schoolyard at 9 o'clock? And so uh, I met up with, with them, and it must have been like 
no exaggeration, like 20 of us to go street bombing. And just what time was it? We we must have met up at like I don't know eight o'clock at night. Okay. You know, and I can remember like being in the neighborhood of Chelsea, just weaving in and out of them side streets, going up and down Tenth and Eleventh Avenue, Twelfth Avenue, and just like fucking roaches when the light come on, everybody running to catch tags, mm-hmm. you know, try and catch spots and shit. And uh, so really, Niso and his brothers, the 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 first real people to put me onto graffiti and explain things to me and, and educate me and, and and so forth, you know? And that's where it all started. But the first time you saw Graf, it was, it was on the trains? Yes. And you, you, I know you well, came Well, that, that's, that's the first time that I saw graffiti yeah. and actually paid attention to it yeah. and was like, yo. Because, I mean, there was tags in the street. Growing up on the Upper West Side, there was a, a big Woolworths on 79th Street and Broadway. There's like a Filene's basement there now, if it's still there. But, um, so that, that's the, on the, on the side of the building now is windows, but when it was Woolworths, it was just a big wall, and that was like the thing to hit, because on 79th Street was a major throughway. You know, you had the Crosstown bus that came through right there, you had the train station right there. It, it was just one of those walls that was popping the hit, yeah. you know? You said when you, when you were younger, like... Your mom would go to the methadone program by Bellevue, the hospital. So you would see all the graffiti in the area and shit. I d- you know what? When I was younger with her, I would take the bus everywhere with her. The bus, right. And that, that was just fucking horrible. I hated it. <coughs> um, you know, fucking riding the bus and, and your mother's all fucked up, passed out on the bus. And people were looking at you. Shit is embarrassing. And then I'm like 9, 10, 10 years old and, and you know very vulnerable and afraid and meanwhile i have to look out for her i have to make sure we get off the right stop like have to be on point did she know you were writing graph no she didn't know i was well it it, she's busy being high and all fucked up yeah i mean she was a good mother to the extent that she could be i always had what i needed she always made sure to take care of me but at the same time you know she had her issues to deal with first Mm -hmm. you know and your dad was, uh, he was in around? He was, uh, I, I'd seen him a couple times when I come back. He was staying in the um, veteran shelter, the VA hospital, not too far from um, the Bellevue right there. Okay. You know, but fucking Bellevue was bugged out. You, um, you guys are young. There, there's a movie, uh, Jacob's Ladder. Okay. And in that movie, Jacob's Ladder, you see him, like, in the psych ward of Bellevue going through those hallways and shit. And those are, like, the hallways where the methadone clinic was at that time. And it's just real creepy, real eerie. And then I'm sure you, you must know, like, the type of people that's in there, mm-hmm. you know. But growing up on the Upper West Side, I spent a lot of time in 72nd Street and Broadway. Right there is Needle Park. Al Pacino, one of his first movies is called Needle Park, mm-hmm. which will give you a good insight yeah, to, to what that park was like. Common sense. <laughs> you know, but I would hang out there till like 3, 4 in the morning with my mother and watching all these people sell drugs, get high, fucking hookers, trannies, like, 
this this kind of shit isn't isn't what a ten year old, you know, a, a someone this age should be around or seeing or mm. experiencing. You and know? even in that time period, I know you couldn't walk around with fresh gear alone. Well, at that time, there was really I don't know. I mean, there was fresh gear. People had fresh gear, like troop jackets and shit like that. Uh, v bomber, leather V bombers. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't like in the '90s with fresh gear. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That in the '90s, that's when 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 things sort of changed fashionable. For me, I feel like in the '80s, a lot of people created their own fresh gear. Hence, painting the jean jackets and painting the side of their pants, and, and you know, just like making their own shit. You know, you in in the, in the eighties, you didn't necessarily had to have money to be fresh. You know, although like all the drug dealers was real fresh with yeah. big gold chains, and you know. But you grew up in an era where if you would wear like some fresh polo stuff alone. Well, in in the nineties, I used to run with RFC, yeah, big time, and um, the shit that I seen. With RFC, the things that I seen them do and, and, and see happen to them, you know, we'd all be out and they would catch someone they, that would, we'd have beef with and fucking out come the razors. And that, that shit just went back and forth. There was real no, there was no real, like, wins as far as defeating the other side. It was just an ongoing battle. Somebody would catch somebody somewhere, you know. And it was all, like, graph beef? What kind whatever. of beef? Yeah, graffiti beef, kind of like a, you know, I, I don't want to say gang beef because really in the '90s there really wasn't gangs yet, like Bloods and Crips and shit like that. Yeah. But you know, you had other groups just hate and yeah. create conflict and shit like that. You know, yeah. people so, would handle it not like today. You know, yeah, actually, but de- definitely, um, growing up with all them RFC kids. That's definitely where I learned to rack. Yeah. You know, hanging out with CA and Rost and, and yeah. Dope, Mate, EAD, you know, all, all of them kids. Buster, Skid DFA, you know. Do you remember your first time racking for real? Um, what was the first time? I had, I had a friend named Evan. And he lived out in New Jersey, and he would take me to um, Garden State Mall, right? And, I, like, I was a little bit intimidated to rack. And then when I seen him rack, I was like, yo, if this nigga could do it, then I could do it. And he would go in the dressing room and put on, like, two, three shirts uh-huh. and leave because it was just that easy. And ultimately, um, the Macy's in Garden State Mall was just that easy that that's... That's where I started racking, and then, you know, once you get comfortable, and then I learned all these different techniques from these RFC kids. It was on from there to get paint and everything, uh, clothes or whatever. clothes. Yeah. It, it it started with racking clothes first yeah. because I'm saying it like moved on to getting paint after. Well, it it just moved on to everything, everything right? but initially it started with clothes because, you know, grow, when I was in high school people that I was living with, they wasn't buying me fresh clothes. They wasn't buying me the things that I really wanted. You know, I wanted to be, I, I wanted to look fresh too, like everybody else. So I started racking my own shit, you know? 
And then racking paint. Actually, I was racking paint way before all of that. Um, my man, shout out to my man As Is from the early 90s, late 80s. He took me and my man Deer racking all the time, like out to Long Island and shit. Mm-hmm. Just fucking shoving cans down your pants and in your coat. And we've had we've had some crazy, crazy chases with him. There was one time, um, me and Deer was and as is we were racking paint, and as we were leaving out the store, I didn't have the greatest coat, and like two cans fell out as I walked past the register, or whatever. And so we was like, yo, let's get the fuck out of here. And we jump in Deer's car. And as soon as we make the right out the parking lot to leave, cop car was going the opposite direction, bangs a U-turn, and starts following us. And as, as the cop is following us, we're, like, trying to shove all the fucking paint under the seats and all kind of shit. And then finally, like, when we pull over, you know, our fucking hearts is jumping out of our chest. We, we young, like, 14. Or I, w- I was the youngest one, so I was, like, 13, 14, you know. The fucking cop, I don't know how the fuck he seen it, but he seen that my man's inspection sticker or registration was expired, and that's why he busted the U-turn to come back after us. But the whole, like, yo, let's get the fuck out of here because the paint, like, everything just lined up crazy to to make a very exciting situation, mm-hmm. you know. So, so with the all, everything that was happening in your life, with the whole foster care and your mother you taking care of her and all the things you saw and you know all the racking that you saw go down and just your your runners with rfc and stuff you started writing and it became like an escape like a release from well i, I had already been listen I, I got an early jump on fucking on graffiti i got the tag oj when i was nine from a, a very close friend this kid this neighborhood kid um, his original tag was Chooch, C H O O C H, one five six, and he gave me the chat the tag O J. I don't know if you guys you ever seen the documentary Dark Days? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, check it out if you do. It's about the Freedom Tunnels and the homeless people that live down there. Okay. So, my man Chooch changed his tag to Ment, and um, I had already by the time I met. That I started meeting people, I was already getting up, bombing with nice in them. I was already starting to get noticed or whatever. By that time, I had already met, like, um, Teo and Scar. I met them early when I was 10. I met um, Chama, WKS, Joey, TDS, and, and Part TDS. I met them. I met a lot, a lot of dudes just from hanging out down there in the Freedom Tunnels. Okay. Um Wise, MOM crew, uh, Wish, Blash, all CM dudes, you know. So by the time I met, I linked with RFC when I met CA and, and Rost. I had already known Rost from from ice skating and warming rink in like 80, 88. And they, they weren't even writing graffiti yet, him and his brother AOS. And then I made him meet him years later, like over there by uh, Uniques on Ashton Place. And, you know, they're like, yo, put up RFC, CA, Rost, and Cash. Like in the very beginning, when before RFC even really got started. And then because I knew them and I would always go to the Ville, I always hung out with CA, Rost, and Cash. And then 
that shit just fucking grew like wildfire, you know? Dudes from Brooklyn started coming. Dudes from Uptown started coming. The Bronx started coming. And then it was just this huge conglomerate of mad different crews under the RFC umbrella. And them motherfuckers used to wreak havoc. Like, don't be fresh walking past West 3rd Street phone booth, man, because they'll strip you like piranhas on meat and literally leave you in just socks and sneakers and underwear. I've seen it plenty of times. Just whoever. Yeah, you you had some fresh shit, they was taking it. You was catching it, you know? I can remember the bigger dudes like uh, Buster... Playing, playing the knockout game. Oh my god! But yeah, but but not this pussy shit like hitting old ladies from behind. Yeah. Playing the knockout game where like you wait for the biggest nigga to come down the street and you hit him in his face when he, where he sees you to see who can knock someone out. Just for fun. Yeah, just just for the hell of it, you know. Um. I re- I remember one time I w- I was with Kaz. And another friend, and I went. I took them to the village, and we walked from West Third to Limelight, and we were just banging stores out. Must have been like 20, 30 of us just going into stores, taking whatever we wanted. What are you gonna do with 30 kids coming in your store and start taking shit? So like the the store we went into, and we started <laughs> we started taking it. Yo, my man Sonny, <laughs> fucking taking box of cereal, like oh we. You know, breakfast tomorrow morning yeah, or whatever, you know? fucking around. <laughs> or, or Kaz took, I think Kaz took the box of cereal. One of them took a box of cereal, and one of them took a box of Rolos. I don't know what. I think we were just taking shit just to be taking shit in the, mo- in the moment, right? Uh-huh. So we, we start walking. We leave the store. We're walking uptown on 6th Avenue toward the limelight. And, um, yo, all of a sudden... Yellow cabs pull up, un- unmarked cars pull up, cops pull up. Must have been like 10 cop cars pull up, unmarked and marked. Because the store owner called and said he had been robbed at gunpoint. That's why they came so fast. Mm. And I remember telling Kaz, like, yo, just keep walking. Make, make pretend like we don't, we're not with them. Because we kind of sort of look like we could kind of not be with them. Yeah. You know? Fucking cop had like 38 special with the fucking big push broom mustache, kicked me in the ankle, was like, yo, where the fuck you going? Get, get it against the wall, gun in the face. Yo, the, the whole entire block was us lined up against the block. Yeah, you said 20, 30 kids. Yeah, so they, they had us spread out from one corner of the block to the other corner of the block. And we all on the wall, they're searching us. Fucking, the, the, we're on the wall. And the two cops, the, the one that kicked me, they're standing by the, by the street where you park. And my man, Sonny, is dropping fucking Rolos one at a time. And they're rolling down the sidewalk to the back of the cop's foot. The fucking cop turns around and looks down and says, what the fuck is this? And there's just a fucking shitload of Rolos by his feet. And ultimately, what wind up happening was they were looking for a gun. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't find a gun, so they just let all of us go. Crazy. You know? I mean... That whole, like, the knockout game you're talking about, that's nuts, man. Yeah. That is nuts. You guys I, just- I, I never understood why people would fucking play the... 
in air quotation marks, uh, marks the knockout game and, like, hit women from behind and, like, defenseless people. That's just crazy. You know, the, the yeah. whole – in the 90s when these guys played it, the, the whole point of it was to try to find the biggest, toughest guy you could find and fucking knock him out, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't knock him out, then you <laughs> you have a problem. You, you had a you had to handle your business. You also got mad heads with you though, and he's probably alone. Yeah, but still, it wasn't like everybody jumped in and jumped him. Uh huh. You know, but still, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's still a chance you take before everybody jumps in. Yeah. You know. So damn. Um, so the RFC was doing all that. That's next and level. mind you, half of RFC was like. Really young kids, you know, when skid, dull, all all the DFA kids when they came around, mm-hmm. they're a little bit younger than me. And yo, they were some real live. They, they were they were more live than some of the adults I know to this day in their adolescence. Talking about being like thirteen, fourteen, they would get shit popping quicker than adults would. You know. So, I mean that that's just the they're the product of their environment that they were that they come from that we come from. Yeah, the nineties yeah. are different than like today because if you weren't from that neighborhood, if you didn't know anybody, then you can't be just walking through there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, in in the nineties, you couldn't just go walk around like, hey, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the walk, projects, walking your dog the, and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you you went through the wrong neighborhood, yeah. you either got robbed or beat up. Or whatever, especially if you didn't have no reason. If you didn't have a reason of being in that neighborhood, you didn't go there. Yeah. Plain and simple. Now, it's, it's just a whole different world. And, like, you have all these people that move from fucking uh, wherever. Yeah. Idaho, Nebraska, Yeah, they're building, Kansas. they're building condos across the most dangerous projects. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, those people are still fish food. They can still get it. Yeah. You know, in terms of the way that you write graph, I know you only been bagged like once when you were younger or something like that. You like never really been. I bagged. mean, I've been caught a few times when I was younger. Yeah. But like, you know, fucking get slapped in the back of the neck or something or to fucking write on you or take your shit and kick you in the ass. Be like, get out of here. But that that's about it as far as the extent of being caught. Really? No Vandal Squad? Ever? No, no Vandal Squad? Nope. Nope. And uh, what do you attribute that to? Because I know people who start um, writing and they get caught in a month. Or well, that's because they're careless and they just fucking. And and this is my speculation. I, I can't say that it's actual factual. You know, listen. If you're out here doing these fucking half a block blockbusters, like Hound does. Because yep. I'm sure you see the shit Hound does. Yep. Right. If that's what you're doing all the time, every time, you're bound to get caught. You know, that, yo, you're, you're putting yourself out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I, I have a real life outside this graffiti shit. Like, as, as much as I love this graffiti shit, I don't give a fuck about it. Like, what's sad is there are people out there that if you take their tag away from them, you know... You, you, they have nothing else in life. If you take OJ away from me, you strip me of OJ, I have many accomplishments in life. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to be OJ to be the person I am. 
I'm still loved just as much as I am. I still, I still get the credit that I get. You know what I'm saying? I, I come from nothing. I made something of myself. I have a decent job. I have a family. You know what I'm saying? I have, a, I have a, a good loving relationship with a woman that supports me and holds me down. Even through all this bullshit graffiti shit. When she should be like, yo, grow the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Instead, she still rides with me and holds me down. Whatever I need. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is like, I, I do this graffiti shit because I enjoy doing it. I, I like doing it. I do it for me. I, I don't care if other people see it. Whatever. You know, it, 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 it's just... It's a pastime. It's a hobby. I'm good at it. You know, you're good at something, don't give it up. Stick with it. You said in an interview how you wouldn't even rather be noticed so you could do it in peace. I'd rather be a fucking toy (laughs) and and nobody know who I am and just leave me the fuck alone. But when you're on top with anything in life, when you're the man on top, everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody wants to fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, let's really put this into perspective. Mm-hmm. Someone that's and, and in general Someone that's like Cause you have people out there in their 50s Writing graffiti You have a lot of majority People in their 40s writing graffiti in, in your life This is what your accomplishment is This is what you have To be proud of I mean, Writing on walls As a 40 something 45 year old 50 year old man This is really what you inspired To be in life it just goes back to what you were saying. You know how what if you I'm take saying? away their tag, it's like nothing. Yeah. It's sad. You know? it, it, it's really sad. Yeah. You know? I feel like um, not a lot of writers think like that, too. Because they're fucking, they're like children. They it's get, the only thing they have going for them in their life. And they get gassed by other, you know, kids. You know? And, and then you have other people that have money, but they have no life. And so this is what they gravitate to. And then they start trouble, and then they make issues. Like, yo, believe me, if, if I had a lot of money, I wouldn't even give a fuck about graffiti. I'd be living my life, traveling the world, fucking seeing things, doing things, enjoying myself. Who, who really wants to fucking, you know, be running around the streets and, and doing all this dumb shit if that's not what you really do? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what makes you come back to it though? Because in 2014, you did an interview with uh, Old NYC, and you were talking about how you're at that time you were into doing paintings, more like gallery stuff, like writing a book. You were kind of over the graph. Yeah, but nowadays you look outside, man. The politics behind it, bro. The yeah. politics is what chases me away from it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, listen, I, I might stop for a period of time, but yeah. I'll never fully be done with it until I'm dead. Yeah. 60, 70. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not be going hard like i have in the past but you've been consistent for decades though hey listen the 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 best person to explain graffiti in a nutshell vifer and state your name he basically described graffiti as like uh the music industry you got people that have come along and they're one hit wonder with like one song where they've they broke out and fucking smashed everything with that one song. And then after that one song, they're gone. And then you have some people that, you know, pop up here and then, make guest appearances, yeah. you know. And then, then you have, like, Jay-Z, Nas, 
people that are just here over over the time continually doing things graffiti's pretty much the same exact exact thing yeah charlie even said how like you could you could come out in two years smash the city goal city be known but after two years your shit gets buffed and you stop painting but if you've been painting for decades consistently it's, here that, and there, it's that longevity longevity yeah you know what i'm saying consistency yeah. i mean i did ultimately graffiti is a stress reliever for me yeah. you know and it, if i have idle time on my hands i i'll paint yeah. i mean i i enjoy the the actual going out yeah. and, and you know, climbing the shit and running in the highway and in the yeah. train tracks and, and, and doing the thing and, and leaving. It, it, it's the thrill. Yeah. You know, the thrill of the kill. It's like they say, it separates, mm-hmm. separates us from being robots in this society. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's a quote from Scuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think anybody that writes you know? graffiti could um, understand that and, like, uh, agree with that, you know. You you would think yeah. you have people that do graffiti for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are a lot of people that write graffiti. That, yo, they're up. They're fucking killing it, smashing it. But when you look at it, you're like, yo, what the fuck is that? Well, well who is that? You know what I'm saying? And the, you know what? The, the other thing about graffiti these days, since we're all older, majority of us have a car. So going all city is really not a fucking accomplishment. <laughs> do that like, shit in one night. <laughs> Kind of, sort of, but not really, yeah. you know. But, like, yo, in the 90s, yo, we had to take the train to places. Yeah. That shit takes time. <laughs> and, and, and destroy shit. You know, so, like, in the 90s, if you was all city, that was a real accomplishment. Now, going all city, that should be, like, the very minimum mark that you achieve if you write graffiti, amongst other things. You think it's harder to paint now or easier? Well, right now in this current moment, this has probably been the easiest to fucking paint since the 90s. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fucking out with my man Skid and, yo, I, I, I'm not going to give up my, my agenda how I, how I do things. But we out there in the middle of fucking people painting and doing our thing. You, look, look at all the kids that fucking paint in the daytime. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't something you did in the 90s. You probably could do it in the 90s. You know, there was a few people that did that in the 90s. Kes5 and TKA used to, they, they were like one of the first people to really do like these fucking top-to-bottom blockbusters on gates. May Kes5 rest in peace. True king. And I remember being with them one time, and they fucking closed the gate on the store while the store was open. To do throw-ups on that shit. What? Yeah. They fucking stuck some shit when you pull down the <laughs> gate. They, they stuck some shit in the hole where the, where the pin for the lock goes so yeah. they couldn't open the gate. They fucking did throw-ups and we left. And the owners came. And, be- and we left fucking laughing about it, dying, cracking up because it was... They, they did it just, just to, you know, as mischie- mischievousness. And the owners to, can't even open the gate from exactly. the inside to get out. So what can they do? <clears throat> they can't do nothing. <laughs> But who in their right mind does that kind of shit? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's next level. Like, that, that's, that's just some, some funny shit to do, you know? Yeah. Like. How was painting with J.A.? Um, I, I don't know how to explain it. There's, there's, real no, there's really no way to explain it. He's, that man 
is in the league all by himself. You know what I'm saying? He, uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The, the way I paint is because I learned from him, even at a later age. You know, and yo, we, all, we all learn and get things from other people. There, there, there are some people that are prodigies. I'll, I'll say Jay is a prodigy. But even him, I'm sure he has somebody that he's learned something from, right? But my whole mentality, my whole approach on every part of graffiti comes from spending time with him and painting with him. He's definitely elevated my skill to that next level. And uh, I'll always be grateful for that. You know, like, uh, that dude is the true definition of a fucking machine. Like, I hate for anybody to be on the other side of the fence of him. Or for someone to be like, no, you can't do that. Because he will prove you wrong. <laughs> That's just the, the, the man he is. You know what I'm saying? I've never seen ambition or drive. You know, in the 90s, he shut the whole fucking Bronx down. When Cope, he had beef with Cope, Cope kept sending waves of people after him. And one by one, by one crew by crew, he retired all the motherfuckers. Insanity. Seven nights a week. Racking, painting, demolishing them. You know, his, his drive is like no other. No one will ever beat that. No one will ever top J.A., not even now. It's just impossible to, to match that man's history. You can't. You can't. He, he invented this fucking extreme graffiti game the way it is. The fucking climbing and... and, and the fucking the rallies, the back to back to back to back to back to back, like he he's the inventor of all that shit. He him and JD they're the ones that he invented the the triple outline or the force field or, or whatever you guys call it these days. I remember riding the 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 D train when it was the D train on the Q line, going out to Brighton Beach. And fucking J.A. and J.D. had the whole shit sewn up with back-to-backs all the way out, the whole train line, with the fucking triple force fields. You know? So You were saying how even if you didn't have a job, you had all the money in the world, all the time in the world, you wouldn't be able to match what he did. You just can't. Um, the 90s was a different era. You can't do the things now that you could do then. Because of cell phones and, and, you know, CCTV cameras and the technology we have now, you know, so. Do you think it was easier back then? It was easier, but it was harder, right? So it was easier in a sense, like, people didn't give a fuck about graffiti. You don't really have people calling the cops on you. <laughs> but it was harder because, you know, since we're talking about J.A., J.A. is going through the fucking hood. You know, this, this white dude going through Spanish Harlem, going through Harlem, going through the South Bronx. What we was talking about before, going through neighborhoods yeah. where you just don't belong. Yeah, you don't know nobody. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And this man's marching up and down these places by himself. Yeah. Still doing what he does. You know? It was more so you don't, you don't have those achievements 
now that you, you could go to the South Bronx. I mean, the South Bronx is still could be a little bit crazy depending on what pocket you roam into. But the South Bronx is fucking turning white now. It's being gentrified. Mm-hmm. You could go to any city neighborhood and you're pretty much, you're good. I remember like uh, even in 2002, I went to go to East New York with my man Kaz and the cops seen us. We weren't writing graffiti. They didn't catch us writing graffiti, but they seen us like walking in the street and they, they stopped us and they're like, yo, what the fuck are you two guys doing here? Like, do you know where the hell you're at? You better get the fuck out of here unless you want to leave in a body bag. So we got kicked out the neighborhood in East New York by the cops because they didn't want to do a murder report on us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't have those hurdles or those uh, accomplishments to unlock, so to speak, in graffiti so now. So back then it was more like you could, you could, you're putting yourself in literal physical danger. Oh, you definitely was putting yourself in physical danger. That's why they all say danger. it's a full contact sport. Yeah, yeah. You know? So. Yeah, you ask anybody from that age, like, they would say, you don't even have to work at, look out for cops. You have to look out for people that are willing yeah, to, yeah. like, really hurt you, you know? But nowadays, yes, yes. nowadays, it's like all you have to look out is for cops because it's like a military state, you know? <laughs> yeah. Police state, I mean. <laughs> what's the difference? Yeah, honestly, it's like, what's, what's the line? It's like a thin line. So when you're out painting, you don't, do you care if people see you or how's it go? Listen, I try to, the, the whole thing about graffiti is supposed to be, uh, what's the fucking word? Um, is it anonymous? Anonymous, but, but. Out of sight, out of mind. No, nah, there's a, you know, when you, where you wonder who the person is. Okay. Vigilante. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're supposed to be seen, not heard, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, with the way things are right now, you could kind of put paint in front of people. I really don't think that when 911 gets a phone call about graffiti that the cops are fucking jumping on it, rushing to the scene with the temperature, the climate, yeah. with everything going on, with New York City being broke. Yeah, they're talking about a thousand shootings. What was that, like a few days ago or something in the yeah. city? You know, the crazy shit is like everybody uh, screaming, defund the police. I don't know if that's necessarily... I mean, I, I understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to defund the police because look what's happening. They're getting defunded, not because people are saying defunded them, but because of the COVID shit and, and money, yeah. budget. There's no budget. Yeah, the city's right? budget is low right now. Now, maybe if you adjust the budget and take money out to put other places, that's a different story. But... These are the side effects of, in air quotation marks, defunding the police. You know, like, you, you have the anti-gang unit and, and drug task force and all of that shit. Now, granted, half the shit, more than half the shit they were doing is not right, illegal. You know, running up on people just, just because. Yeah. But at the same time, it was a little bit effective. You had less guns on the street, less violence, less, less whatever. Now, if they did defund the police, what do you think would happen? I have to be honest. I, in terms of, like, in the well, streets. Well, look, look what's happening already. If you, if, you look around, if you look around New York City right now, you, you would literally think that we're in the 90s. It's getting to the point with graffiti where 
There's no more spots to yeah, no, graffiti to fucking <laughs> to paint. Everything is filled. Now you got to start going over shit. Now you got to start creating new spots because they're not painting anything. They're not buffing anything. It's a fucking free for all out here. You know, the you fucking what was it yesterday? In, yesterday in the news, these kids they they stayed double parked by a bus depot. And when, when the bus pulled up to go into the depot, it's one of them, uh, I think it was one of them double buses. Yeah, yeah. Yo, like 30 kids, 30 people jumped on the bus and threw a party for like 15 minutes. <laughs> what? I mean, they, I did, they, they did it just for Instagram, obviously, yeah. but they was on the bus with hookah and drinking and <laughs> blasting music and That's recording funny. themselves and, and, and wilding the fuck out. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't know where it was at. That shit was hilarious. I saw that shit. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't do that pre-pandemic. Uh-huh. Fucking nah. cops <laughs> would be there and fucking hem you up quick fast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, look how reckless it is out here with these fucking scooters and mopeds. and, and Nobody wears a helmet. Everybody goes through the light. Fucking, how many people get hit by fucking scooters and shit? So what you you're know? saying is if they defunded the police, you think it'd be kind of chaotic? No, it's already chaotic, and they have yeah, not mean, defunded yeah, the police. Yeah, so imagine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think they did an experiment. I forgot where exactly. I think it was Seattle or something. They, like, took away all the cops, and it was just, like, fucking Mad Max, like, apocalypse. Yo, that's what it's becoming right now in New York City. Yeah. Fucking Mad Max beyond the Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a straight free-for-all. I mean, you, you see the, the gun violence that's up, you know? And you want to stay living in New York? Hell no. Fuck New York, bro. Yeah. I can't stand New York. Fucking rat race. People. It is a rat race. People paying $5,000 nice. to live in the shoebox. You know, just Me and him for, talk about yo, this all the ta- time. We man. talk about this. I'm not even kidding you. All the time. Once a day at least. Yeah, we talk about moving to like the cut of Thailand or like Japan or whoever, paying like $30 a month. And yo, like, take me good. with you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Live simple. Yeah, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm ready to be the fuck up out of here, bro. If we're even allowed, because what? We can't even fucking leave this place right now, man. And who knows when they're going to open know? that shit up? Yo, we're fucking like low key, like stranded here right now. Yeah. And who knows for how long? Well, the thing is, you you can leave from here, but you can't go no no place else because everywhere else is fucking yeah. crazy. There are certain it. places you could go. Like I know people who've been traveling to Mexico, Dominican Republic. Right, but what I'm saying is not necessarily that you can't or you can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New York is probably one of the safest places right now with the whole virus shit. Uh huh. Probably with the lowest count. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to all these other places and that shit is just spreading like wildfire because people ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're trying so, to be out eventually. Yeah, that's your goal. <laughs> it, it, the sooner the sooner I can do it, the better off I am. Listen, I'm, I'm done raising kids. I'm, I'm on grandkids. You ever lived in any other places outside of New York? Yeah, I've lived. All, I've lived in Mississippi for five years. I've lived. I've lived in Long Island. I've lived in. You know, uh, Poughkeepsie, uh, Nanuet, Ramapo area. I lived. I've, I've traveled the whole world, bro. I've lived in in Honduras. I lived in Japan. Really? I lived in Puerto wow. Rico. I lived in Cuba briefly. You know, I lived in all the. I've been to Haiti. I feel like you when know? you get an outside an outside look at that, like a look. I lived in Israel for like a year. 
How was that? Fucking awesome, bro. Yeah? What was mm-hmm. it like? Were you in a regular apartment or like, what were you? Do you know what a kibbutz is? Nah, nah, what is it? So like basically after World War II when the Jews were set free from the concentration camps, they basically ran into the hills and mountains and formed like communes. Okay. So you might have like a, for the, the just to kind of paint the picture, not the right word, but you have like sort of like a military base. Okay. But it's not a military it's just a whole gathering of people that got together. It's like a community, a little, a like little a yes. section. Yeah. A, a commune. And that's where you lived at. So what, what they do is they allow volunteers to come and you work, you work for them for free. They give you like a little bit. They give you next to no money, but they give you free room and board. They feed you and they give you a place to live. Yeah. Right? What's the place to live like? Just like a dorm status. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Nice and simple. Yeah. yeah. So you, you have a, a group bathroom in the hallway, and you have like a, a little one room just with a bed and whatever you set up in there. Mm-hmm. And so the kibbutz, the kibbutz I was on, they, they did agricultural shit, fruit. Like growing their own food. Yeah, growing fruit, mm-hmm. farming fish. And then they also had a, a plastic factory where they would make valves for hospitals. So for six hours a day, you would work in one of these places. With the other people who live in the with, commune. With, yeah, with, with other people. And, but the thing with this is, coming from the United States, I, I went there with high school, so it was a little bit different, my situation, than the other volunteers. So while, while I was there, I got to travel the whole country front to back. I got to go to, to Egypt. I got to go to Jerusalem, to Eilat, to... Um, Tel Aviv, uh, Mount Masada, the Red Sea, the Dead Sea, and get to see all these historical things. How would you compare that to like New York City? You know, only to come back here. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. There is right. no comparison. How are the people? The people are so much nicer. Right? It's, it's bugged out in Israel. Yeah. You, you could walk down, to, or at least at that time, I went there in like 92, 93. You could walk down the street. Holding wads of cash and all the gold in the world and no one would rob you. Yeah. But you had to worry about getting on a bus with a bomb. And if you stop someone in the street and ask them for directions, you'd wind up with like three people trying to give you directions, arguing which is the best way for you to go. It's crazy. When I went to Cuba, it was similar to that. You could wear whatever is safe, super safe. Everyone's super nice trying to help you out. Yeah. You're looking for something like, what do you need? What do you need? And you, being, a, being from America, living in New York and stuff, you're like, whoa, this is like, what are they trying to get from me? What are they trying to do to me? When really they're just trying to help you. No, but that's interesting because you say you could walk around with all these wads of cash, but yet people there are poorer. Than I mean, maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, nah, but, but it, I get what you're but saying. But the, yeah, the yeah, exaggeration yeah. is to paint the yeah. picture, yeah, yeah, yeah. vivid saying, picture like, in your head. The people there pretty much poorer than the ones in New York, and they're not even robbing you. So, you know, it just shows by like, the mindset of people well you know what here's the mindset you have a different war to fight over there mm. opposed to fighting poverty you're, you're you're fighting terrorism yeah like fighting for your life you're, every day. you know what i'm saying also the rat race of america and new york in specific it makes it not like a community where like me and someone else who lives in my city are brothers we're more like i don't know you you don't know me let's keep it moving yeah we're whereas i know me. in a lot of other countries like, my family's from Ecuador, and when I go there, I could see it's, like, 
maybe we don't know each other, but I'm not here to, to get over on you. You're not here to get over on me. Here, it's like, I'm here to get over on you a little bit. Right, but, but also the thing in New York City is this, you have so many people here and things move so fast that you, you don't have the time to stop and say hello and have a conversation with every person you pass. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. New Yorkers are unique, true New Yorkers, at least, New Yorkers that I know. Yeah. Yo, they'll they'll jump in when when you need help the most. They'll jump in and help you and and be there and you know. But other than that, fucking mind their business and keep keep it moving. You know, like look look at nine eleven. How many people came together and 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 Hurricane Sandy and so many other things like yeah. that. We were talking you know? to we had this dude uh, a previous guest John Joseph on. And he was saying how, like, people came together, they were, like, into spirituality, all this, but it didn't last long at all. And, like, people were quick to go back to their, like, toxic ways. Yes, yes. Be- yeah. Because New York moves so fast, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you got to keep up. Yeah. You know, like, who the fuck wants to struggle to make just enough money to live in poverty? Yeah, it's getting worse. It's sad. You know what I'm saying? It's stressful, man. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy. If you- yeah, New York's so expensive, especially compared to even just anywhere else in America. Yo, really. before before this coronavirus shit, I was already like, yo, you're too close, back up. You know, standing online yeah, for yeah, something, yeah. or, you know, you, you got these people that come from out of state that are fucking clueless, and they literally stand with their toes to the heel of your foot online. And it's like, yo, back the fuck up. Why are you so close? Like, <laughs> you're, you're going to get to the fucking cash register just as fast if you're... Three feet behind me, or three feet close to me, you know, one foot uh, yeah. inch inch away from me. Yeah. Like, people get on the train. Like, I, I really don't ride the train much because I drive. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes once in a while I get on the train with my girl. And, like, you know, taking her to work or whatever, you know, during that morning rush, fucking lady is, is literally standing over you, <laughs> Right? Because the train is that crowded. But one hand has the newspaper fucking spread out. And the other hand has a coffee and a fucking donut. And, and they're trying to read the paper, drink the coffee, eat the donut. And the bitch is trying to fucking brush dandruff off her shoulder. And the crumbs on her shirt. And where do you think all that shit's going? It's going in my fucking lap. It's going in my girl's lap. It's like, yo, don't you know better? Then to have a little bit of respect. Like, like, I understand the train's empty and you're in the corner by yourself being a pig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, yo, come on. You, <laughs> like, like, where the fuck are you raised that you don't know that this is not correct? That, yeah. that this is wrong? You know what I'm saying? There's no awareness. Like, yo, I went in, in, in the supermarket by my house, like, right before the coronavirus. Uh-huh. It's like a, a, a Russian supermarket. Yeah. Right? And they, they had the like a like a salad bar type thing, but it wasn't it wasn't salad. It was just like for you to get pickles and olives and things like that. Yo, your man grabbed the half quart cup for like the wonton soups to, in the Chinese store. Yeah. Yo, bust how he grabbed that shit and stuck it in the pickles to get the pickle juice, and was drinking that shit. <laughs> Yo, I can't make this up, bro. And so he, he drank it, and then he stuck the shit back in the pickles, like, three times, drinking the pickle juice. Oh, my God, yo. Where, what, what restaurant was this? 
Like, what was it? Some grocery store you said? It's a, you know, Russian supermarket. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they be doing that. Like, <laughs> yo, I spazzed on the dude, and everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. Like, what this dude was doing was okay. And ever since then, I don't go back in there. Like, I really didn't go in there to begin with because they don't speak English. Mm-hmm. And they look at you like you're fucking crazy. Like, yo, what the fuck you doing in here? Yeah, yeah. You know? It's like... <laughs> Yo, how was how was uh, living in Japan? You said you lived there for a little, or you went there? I, I was in, in Okinawa twice, each time for nine months. So okay. I never actually made it to Japan mainland. Okay. But, excuse me. So I was there when I was in the military, and that place was dope, man. You Basically, the only Americans you have there are people who are in the military. The second time I was there, I knew my I knew my way around. Um, the second time I went back, I brought a skateboard with me. I used to skate like big time, mm-hmm. you know, with like uh, all the shut kids, New yep. York kids, same people. You know, I was I was a part of that whole skate scene. You go to the banks and all that. Yep. <clears throat> so the second time when I went to Okinawa was a lot of fun. I met I met this other kid out there that skated that was in the Marines and all we did was just fucking skate. The second time though when I was there I was you know walking down the street I knew where everything was and then I turned this corner corner and in, in like an alley and I seen pieces from S C K S T. Mm-hmm. He's an older dude from the '80s, like uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, I know. And this other dude missed OAM. Okay. And then that dude just MC had tags with them, and th- and that was mind blowing. Like, yo, what the fuck are they doing all the way over here? Especially, it's not like, yo, let's take a trip to Okinawa. Nah, they, you don't take a trip to Okinawa. Yeah. Really, the only Americans that are in Okinawa is military people. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like, yo, what the fuck are they doing all the way out here? And that, and that's before people, at that time, the only people that was traveling doing graffiti was Wayne, COD. Mm-hmm. Wayne COD started started that whole shit. Really? He he started like meeting dudes from Germany and Europe and started building with them, and he started you know have hosting them coming over here, and then they started hosting him going over there. So really, Wayne COD is the one who started. Or, you know, fucking leaving New York to do graffiti, going worldwide or whatever. So at that time, and, and even when that was going on, it, it wasn't, people wasn't thinking about it. You know, times was different. People didn't really have the money who wrote graffiti to, yeah, to, travel to go like and that. travel and do things like that, you know? So no one was thinking about that. So to see these dudes out there fucking... Bombing shit or whatever was fucking mind blowing. I, I I did a bunch of painting while I was out there, but I didn't. It didn't dawn on me like to take pictures. Yeah. Also, the other thing is taking pictures. You had to fucking you, you don't know how the pictures was gonna come out until you developed them, and then you had to spend money to develop. It was a whole fucking process. Now you walk around and you fucking taking pictures with you know when you have them shits instantly. Yeah. I heard. Really? I know that Japan is super 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 clean, right? Everything mm-hmm. they keep it on point, and littering is frowned upon crazy. Yeah, that's well. I I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but like uh, I want to say early two thousands, late nineties, Singapore. Some kid got caught writing graffiti in Singapore, and I, and it wasn't even like 
a graffiti writer, just like some kid randomly from America. He got fucking caned. What? Yup. He got... They, they wanted to give him 10 lashings with a cane. I think he wound up getting like three lashings. But fuck that. Even just to catch one lashing with a yeah. fucking cane. <laughs> yeah, what? You know I what I'm saying? I heard a story in Japan that like, you can, you'll write the whole trip and then like, they'll watch you on surveillance the whole way and then they'll get you at the airport and then you'll get like, like yeah, a I know that lungs I, for marker attacks. Yeah, I know they, I yeah. know in Japan they, uh, they be going crazy with the, with the consequence. My, my man who was in the Navy with me, he put money in the soda machine and the fucking soda machine didn't give him his soda. He broke the soda machine and they locked him up. He was locked up for two weeks trying to settle the whole shenanigans. Fucking eating rice and fish heads. <laughs> like, yo, I know, I know jail is crazy in, in America. You know, like, you, you really got some crazy politics to deal with in jail. Rikers Island, wild as fuck. Or at least back in the days, wild as fuck. But when you go to jail in another country... Like, for instance, like lawless. You go to jail in Peru. Yo, the inmates are the fucking guards. Yeah. You know, like, some of the inmates got guns in in the jail to keep the fucking peace. Like, just straight wild. My friend, he painted in the Middle East, and uh, he got caught, and he went to prison over there. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but he explained it to me, like, the craziest Yo, thing. basically just being a Westerner over there? Yeah, he explained it to me as, like, the craziest you thing. You could just ca- kiss your life goodbye and hope you fucking see the light. Of d- hope you just live. Forget about getting out. You know? That's crazy, man. But in terms of painting, like, um, like you said, painting in other countries, a lot of people say, like, painting in New York City. After painting in New York City, you could paint anywhere around the world. Like, Well, I haven't really painted around the world, like, to compare it, but... Mm-hmm. In the places I, I have painted, like I went to Pittsburgh, I was there for work, and I had a friend that lived out there, and she, she drove me around, and I smashed all of Pittsburgh like in, in one night. And then years later, talking to a friend of mine who got caught in Pittsburgh, like, yo, Pittsburgh's mad easy to paint, but if you get caught in Pittsburgh, yo, they trying to put you in jail for real. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. Like, but in terms of actually painting in the streets, it, it's definitely a lot easier than New York. I mean, look how busy New York is. Yeah. You know? So, I think that's what happens. Like, a lot of kids come here that are from not New York, not realizing how crazy, at least how crazy it, it, it used to be. Because right now, it's fucking free-for-all. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Uh-huh. You know? But, um... So, you know, their carefree attitude, you know, just do whatever. And they do all this crazy shit painting. But you hear about most of them at least being caught one time, two times. You know, shit like that. How did that whole, like, tags and throws video come about? Because he's only done a few people from New York City. How did you get chosen to be one of them? Um... My man, OK, OK, came here, and he, he came here. He had, like, a little plug. Where? He, he asked my man, like, yo, yeah. who should I? And my man was like, A, B, and C. Yeah. He plugged me in. He plugged Zexor in. Yeah. 
That shit was sick, man. You know? Uh, that video I, blew up. When, when my man came to me and said, yo, this, basically what happened was he came to me and was like, yo, this dude is here from Stockholm. I think that's where he's from, Stockholm. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, he wants to interview. He, he's looking for someone to interview. So, like how I wound up here on the strength of the person asking me, I was like, uh, all right, I, I, I'll do it. You know, and when, you know, I made a plan to meet with him to get to get to see who the person was and, and see exactly what he wanted to do. He was like, yo, I, you know, I want to give you some paint and then film you painting. So I was like, all right. I, yo, I had no clue yeah. about the tags and throws video. I, I knew nothing about this dude. Mm. I was almost like, eh, fuck this. I'm yeah, not yeah. doing this, you know. But uh, on the strength of the person who asked me, I was like, all right, I'll do it. And, and it wind up just being something pretty damn big. Yeah, yeah it definitely yeah. blew up, man. I really you know, enjoyed I, that video. I mean, it's given me the, the worldwide coverage that I have now mm-hmm. and the fan base that I have now, yeah. you know? you uh, In that video, you were like, the train workers almost saw you. It, it would have been a chase. So you ever had any, you got some crazy chase stories? Um. Yeah, there's a bunch of bunch of times I got chased. There's a ghost town on ninety between ninety sixth Street and eighty sixth Street on the one train. So that was one of the first places I really used to go paint all the time. Because Niso would take me there, my man Chooch would take me there. I knew how to get in there, you know. So I went one night to go paint, and on the uptown side, in in the back of the station. There's a big, huge boiler. Now, mind you, you know, this is an abandoned station and a train. If you've ever been in the tunnels, you know how filthy it is with the fucking soot and shit. So, I was done painting. I'm standing in the back of the station behind the boiler for the train to come and leave. So, when the train came and leave, I'd run back to the platform. And um, just the conductor booth of the first car pulls into the station at the back where I'm at and I could hear him like, yo, somebody's in here, whatever. So I fucking wind up climbing underneath the boiler the longer he stood. Like, at this point, I'm standing behind the boiler for like 20 minutes and it seemed like he was going to get out and look around. And I climbed under the boiler. God knows what was under that boiler. Piss, shit, fucking roach shit, uh, rat shit. And, And I had to hide underneath that boiler for two hours. Or an hour and a half until they figured something out. But they never came out. And, then, you know, I, I thought I was pretty good about not being seen. But another time I painted I painted that station, the, the ghost station with this kid lost, 456, right? And we were done. We waited for the train to come. We ran back to the platform. We get back to the platform. And there was a cop standing on the end of the platform with a flashlight looking dead at me as I was about to come up the stairs. And so I just pushed my man lost, like, go the other way, run, run, you know, and we just yeah. bounced out the emergency exit or whatever, you know. But um, another time I was on the West Side Highway with my man Deer after doing 125th Street, the meat markets. We went across the highway so we could look at the shit. And there's no cars on the highway, like, 3 in the morning the boys rolled by an unmarked car. They saw us, stopped the car, and put the shit in reverse to come back to see what we were doing. 
And so I just, I, I told my man, dear, like, you'll play along. And I grabbed his hand like we were, you know, gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just grabbed his hand and, and we, you know, we just started walking. And when the cops seen us holding hands, they just left. They didn't think nothing else of it, you know. But I remember one night, I, I don't know if this is necessary. This isn't really a chase, but um, I was with Kaz leaving this club called uh, NASA. It was right next to Wetlands. And fucking tripping my balls off on acid. Kaz was sober. And um, we're getting on the one train at Canal Street, and I had a mop that I had made. You know, it had duct tape around it, and, and it was inside of a, a fucking rubber glove in a potato chip bag. And it was just filled to the top. So, you know, if you tip it a little bit, the yeah, whole shit fucking just out. spills. Yeah. And I was writing on the columns in the station, and the fucking train comes. The cop gets off and was like, yo, come here, and puts us on the wall. And he searches both of us. He finds, he finds the mop in the potato chip bag. And he's like, yo, what the fuck is this? And because I was high on my face, all I could say was, yo, whatever you do, don't open it. And then inside my head, I'd be like, because it's going to spill all over you. But all I kept telling the cop was like, yo, don't open it. Don't open it. Don't open it. And as I'm telling the cop, don't open it, he's like peeling off the potato chip bag. He's taking off the rubber glove. Now he's like trying to untape it. Finally, he figures out there's a cap on it. He takes the cap off, and then he tilts it to look at it. And now, mind you, this is in the 90s when the cops wore the light blue shirts. Mm -hmm. like the tra They looked like the ticket people in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And the dude, it was like kind of in the wintertime, had a long sleeve shirt on. And when he tipped the fucking the mop, yo, all the black ink went running down his arm, fucked up his whole arm, his whole shirt. And it was like a Garvey ink in there, Marsh ink, Pilot ink, like just the fucking the most shittiest concoction you can make. And when he, when he felt the ink all over him and looked at himself, I, I, yo, he looked at me and Kaz with the most fucking disgruntled face you could have and was like, y'all got three seconds to get the fuck out of here. And we took off running, and we, we just jumped in the fucking cab and bounced. We didn't look back when he said, get the fuck out of here. I, I guess, like, he felt so embarrassed, like, because I told him, don't open it. Yeah. And, yo, this whole fucking night was ruined, bro. He looked like he had a black glove on. You know what I'm saying? Looking like O.J. Simpson and shit. But I, I've been pretty fortunate, man, and especially, like, you know, I, I, don't really, I don't really talk about my military background or what I've done in the military. You know, I, I say that I was in the Navy, but I didn't do just the normal Navy shit, go on a boat and travel the world. I was in the Seabees. It did, you know, uh, they're known for doing construction and wartime scenarios and shit, you know. So I never really seen any wartime scenarios I've been in some hairy situations like in in Haiti Haiti was a crazy place you know you, you didn't know if something was going to pop off or in um Honduras at night you hear them fucking busting shots 
like automatic weapons so they tell you don't go near the fence line you know but what I did experience was a lot of training from the marines and even even some training from the seals and shit nothing like super crazy but I got a lot of combat warfare training you know um and I try to apply all of those mindsets to painting to stay safe and and not to get caught everything is mathematically plotted out your strategic mission yeah 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 you know I mean I remember recently uh couple years back I went to go scope out a spot before I went to paint it and I was walking by myself and the DTs just fucking drove up on the sidewalk like yo come here for for literally no reason at all I didn't have ID on me and they're going through my shit the cop asked me for my name asked me to spell it I spelled it he asked me for my name again I told him my name he asked me to spell it a second time and then when he asked me for my name a third time, I told him, like, yo, what the fuck, man? You, you just asked me two times, and you got the fucking name written down in front of you, bro. Like, you playing games? And long story short, like, when they searched me, I had a can of spray paint. And I was like, yo, I'm however old I am in my 40s. Like, what the fuck I look like writing graffiti? I'm a, I'm a grown man. And the fucking cop laughed at me and was like, that's what all you motherfuckers say. You know? Because, I mean, majority, it, it's kind of crazy. I would say the majority of people who, like, really write graffiti, who make noise. There's a younger generation now that, that you have a lot of younger kids making noise. But, like, a lot of these people that's been around making noise, they're fucking grown adults. Whereas to like in the 80s, by the time you fucking graduated from high school, that was it. You stopped writing graffiti. Mm. You didn't write graffiti anymore. Why do you think that is? Why do you think now it's different like that? I guess, you know, uh, the notoriety of it Mm. and, you know, the possibility of making money from it and and like Mm. you could kind of really become somebody from writing graffiti, sort of speak, you know? I mean, I mean, yeah. We were talking to a bunch of people who get they get paid to do murals. Look, look, look at uh, Rhyme MSK. Mm. He makes a living from painting. Revoc, Revoc, Scene, yeah. fucking Risk from Cali. You know, so I don't know. Also, like you know, if that if that's something that that's true to you, you don't just give it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like like you said, you even take breaks, but you always end up coming back somehow. I'll never leave. Yeah. I mean, this is something that's been a part of my life. I don't don't necessarily know how to stop. Yeah. You know? I can walk away from it, and I can leave it alone. I just choose not to. Yeah. Bro, this whole podcast thing is insane because... Like, people I watched growing up, like, in South Brooklyn, like, you especially, man, like, meeting you and shit, that's insane. Like, seeing you up everywhere, like, I would just, like, be like, who the fuck are these people, man? This is insane. Anonymity, that's the word that I was looking for before. That's the whole fucking point of graffiti. For people to wonder who you are, to look at your tag and be like, yo, 
that dude probably he's probably six foot black dude or (laughs) and then you're totally dead wrong when you meet someone you know but like you're not supposed to be known you know people not supposed to like graffiti's totally changed with the videos being made and, and instagram and and all of that i mean there's there's pros and cons to it you know uh I was never really for all the self-documenting of it until Spot KMS said, like, yo, you got to document your own shit because no one else is going to, you can't expect no one to document your shit. Yeah, especially in a city where everything gets buffed. Yeah, or for a long time, like, I used to be really mad because you would have kids that would come here from out of town and then... They would get put on, like, get put in a book or get become part of this project. or And I'd be like, yo, what the fuck? Like, they didn't do shit to deserve this. But then I, I had to realize one day and ask myself, what did I do for myself to be in that position? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Did, did I ever try and accomplish that? Did I ever try to network or, or whatever it is you got to do to get to that position? And so then I realized, like, you, you can't be mad at these other people. Yeah. If you want an opportunity for yourself, you have to create that opportunity yourself. No one's going to give you that opportunity. Yeah. Like I've said before in some of my, my own documentary things, yo, nobody wants to see you fucking win. Nobody cares about you. Nobody likes you. Everybody hates you, especially when you're on top. Everybody wants to see you lose, you know? And there's just a lot of bitter, a lot of bitter bitches out there. A lot of fucking haters. People just fucking hate for no reason. Now, can you imagine? You know, someone hates you just because you paint with someone. Yeah. Tries to tell you, yo, you better not paint with that person, or, yeah. or else. Yeah. Yo, I'm 45 years old. You ain't fucking telling me shit. I don't give a fuck what the pre- the, the uh, uh, repercussions are. Yeah. Listen, what I've been through in my childhood ain't worse than what I could go through now. You know what I'm saying? I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm not a violent person. I don't look for no problems. I'm not about fighting, not about none of that. But I'm definitely not afraid of it. I've had my fights. I've, I've, I've fought big people before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? I'm not afraid to lose a fight. I'm not afraid to fucking win a fight either. But, you know... Like, again, back to being in your 40s, 50s. Can you, you imagine you're in fucking Rikers Island for, for an assault charge over graffiti? Insanity. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how like, like, where's your fucking mind at? Especially when you got responsibilities a whole life. Yeah. yeah. Some of these people wouldn't fucking come and... and, and Listen, we, we all, one way, all, all of us who write graffiti that really, really write graffiti, yeah, we all are from the streets. And some of us has made it out the streets. Why would you want to fucking revert back to the streets for some petty bullshit? When you can lose your whole business, you can lose your marriage, you can lose your kids. You know what I'm saying? And including myself, I'm, I'm, not exempt, I'm not exempt from that category, you know? Yeah. The one thing I don't do is I don't glorify graffiti in my life like, yo, I'm fucking OJ, I'm the man. I, 
blah, blah, blah. Yo, fuck that, man. Yo, fuck graffiti. Fuck OJ. Who the fuck cares about OJ? Like, what the fuck is an OJ? You know what I'm saying? The, the people that care about me is the people that care about me because guess what? I raise my kids properly. They're off in the world handling their own biz- business. They got a job. They're having their children. They're raising their families. I was a successful father. You know what I'm saying? I'm successful at my career and what I do for a living. People depend on me and my job to get shit done. You know, I I have a job where, guess what? If I fuck up, it affects the whole public. I'm not going to go into details what my job is, but I have a, a very critical job that where if I fuck some shit up, people could die. You know what I'm saying? And I'm over here worried about whether people like me or not for graffiti or, or, or if I'm on top or, or worrying about if you fucking diss my throw-ups. Or, fucking diss all of them shits. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Guess what? Just as easy as I put all of that shit there, I could just easily put all of that shit back, man. Anybody who wants to fucking write graffiti can do it. All you got to do is just have the fucking determination and not be lazy. Go get some fucking spray paint and go outside and spray paint the fucking walls. Anybody could do it. There, there's, there's nothing glorifying about writing graffiti. Yeah, I, I agree. And, it, and, and including myself, it's, it, it's a shame you're fucking grown man writing graffiti. You got nothing better to do with your fucking time? Go spend time with your family. Go spend time... Doing something that actually matters in the world, you know what I'm saying? I have these. I have these. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, people think they're above other people because they fucking write or get up. So, what is what's your like? Something you'd say, I guess, to the younger generation coming up that idolizes. Well, what 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 I've been putting out there is, listen, if this is what you want to do, do with let let let's take. The focus off of graffiti, but to answer your question about people, younger generation wants to do graffiti. For sure. Do whatever it is that you want to do in life. You know, there are people that just put up stickers and that's it. There are people that do street art and paint these fucking gay murals and all of that. And <clears throat> whatever it is that you want to do, just fucking do it. But be true to it. Like, keep it real. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've said in tags and throws and and, and other interviews and shit. Don't be out here fucking doing street art and and gay shit and just stickers and and talking to people that don't know about graffiti like you're the man in graffiti. Mm -hmm. Just keep it real. Like, yo, I'm an artist. This is what I do. You know, I I respect you a lot more for, for that. That might not be my thing and I might not see eye to eye. But that's okay because what's good for me may not be good for you. What's good for you may not be good for me. And you know what? You, yo, you're entitled to, to do what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? And that's the problem. People are fucking, they got nothing going on in their life. And they want to be in everybody else's life. Misery loves company. Everybody, everybody want to drag everybody down. A bunch of fucking crabs in the barrel. Because that's what crabs do when they're in the barrel. They fucking claw at the other crabs trying to climb out. You know what I'm saying? I've been climbed out the barrel 
So I don't fuck with crabs. You know? You 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 gotta be someone who thinks for yourself and do 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 what you feel in your heart. But at the same time, whatever it is that you do, you can't be disrespectful. You know, you gotta respect others. You gotta respect people around you. You know? Absolutely. You don't gotta be a tough guy, you don't gotta be hard. But just fucking stand your ground and stand for what you believe in in life. You know? So, yo, it's been an hour and a half. If you got anything else to say, we're good, yo. Thank you so much for coming. I hope everybody listening to this enjoyed. I really enjoyed the conversation. and we Some real talk. Man. Yeah, some real talk. So, thank you, man. Peace. More than welcome, bro. Peace.